Good morning. Welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market where something they got recently in like the pre-made food section, they have these little teeny pinwheel wraps. They come in little sets. I think that's one of my new favorite things to get there. You just grab them and go. They're pretty good. They have a couple different kinds. Uh, check them out. Yeah, like I said, good thing to get on the go. Um, so we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, bombshell uh, news with, with the Penguins. Jim Rutherford resigned. Um, out of nowhere, citing personal reasons, not health related. Um, he confirmed to you and David Morehouse told us on, on a conference call. And then uh, Patrick Alvin promoted to interim uh, GM. He, he is well, the assistant GM, director of amateur scouting. So interim GM now for now, and they're starting the search for Rutherford's permanent replacement. I mean, Dave, how much of a shock was this to you? Uh, total, at the very least. Uh, really did not see that coming. Um, and in retrospect, I don't know that I feel all that bad about it because when I spoke with Jim Rutherford on Wednesday evening, he said this was not something that he had considered for very long, that it was, uh, although he wouldn't elaborate on the, uh, the reasons for his decision, he said it, it wasn't something that he had been contemplating for a while, that it, this all developed over the, the fairly recent term. And, uh, David Morehouse said that. He first learned of Rutherford's intentions on uh, on Tuesday night. So, um, you know, it uh, this was a rapidly developing situation, and it's uh, one that you know caught a lot of us unprepared. Yeah, and um, to reiterate, not health related. I know a lot of people thought that might be it. Uh, something Morehouse said on the call that uh, Rutherford walks five miles a day, which is. I don't even do that. I've been walked five miles in one, uh, one time, but yeah, not health related. Just, uh, just wanted to step down. And I mean, uh, not the greatest time to do it. Uh, short season. Uh, so, I mean, the search is on, I mean, who are some candidates you think that, you know, are available or, you know, in assistant positions with other teams who, who they could be looking at? Well, the one guy that, I think they would be interested in, if he's interested in them still, would be Jason Botterill, who just signed on as assistant GM in, uh, in Seattle. Uh, after he was fired in Buffalo last spring, uh, there was very strong mutual interest uh, with uh, Botterill and the Penguins for him to return here, where he had been uh, an assistant and associate, or Rutherford. Uh, but he still had, uh, he was still being paid by the Sabres for a couple of years and the Penguins obviously weren't looking to spend money because of all the revenue they lost during the pandemic. So nothing ever came of it. And then uh, Ron Francis, the GM in Seattle, uh, swooped in recently and, uh, you know, offered uh, Botterill a contract and uh, Botterill was actually in town last Friday scouting for Seattle, and he seemed genuinely enthused about being part of a, a group that was going to build a franchise from the ground up. So um, I don't know if he would still be interested in, in returning to Pittsburgh. I know he, uh, you know, he still has a very strong ties to this organization, but if, if he is interested, I have to believe that the Penguins would be interested in him as well. Um, so we'll see where that goes. If not for him, I was kind of interested that uh, Morehouse really swatted away the idea of bringing in somebody to kind of do an organizational rebuild. 
that he said the emphasis is uh, going to be on somebody who's in full win now mode, um, which I, I'm not completely sure about the wisdom of that, but it, it's pretty clear that they're going to try to squeeze everything out of this core group um, that they can if they haven't done so already. And uh, they're apparently intent on, on going all in to uh, try and win another cup sometime in the next couple of years. Yeah, and uh, I mean, back to Botterill. So you, you saw him there scouting for Seattle one game. I saw him there two games where I was there without you. So he's, he's been in town for uh, a while now, I guess. I don't know. He wouldn't be the first hire Seattle made that would leave for another opportunity. I mean, what they hired um, Alf Samuelson uh, there er, early on, and then he left to Europe, and now he's with Panthers. So, um I mean, yeah, guys could still leave Seattle even though they haven't played uh, a game yet. So that that's an option. He uh, Morehouse um, did say that Patrick Alvin, the current interim uh, GM, would be, um, you know, he's a serious candidate. Uh, so I mean, that that's an option. Um, something I, I I know a lot of fans are asking about. His name always pops up whenever there's an opening. Can we put like the Pierre Maguire like talk to rest? Um, I would be quite surprised if uh, Pierre Maguire were a serious candidate for this. I mean, because <laughs> you know, this is this search is being conducted according to Morehouse by Morehouse, Ron Burkle, and Mario Lemieux, and none of them are going to go out and pay for a billboard to advertise their plans on it. <laughs> so it you know it's conceivable that they could have interest in Maguire and we wouldn't know it, but I really don't see that as much of a possibility. He and uh, Ray Shiro, you know, uh, who was Rutherford's predecessor, were very good friends. They went to college together, uh, remained close for a lot of years, and, and to my knowledge still are. So I think the chances of Maguire doing something uh, with or for the Penguins, in addition to his work for them back in the early 90s, um, were a lot better when, when Ray Shiro was, was calling shots around here. I, I really don't see him as a viable candidate at this point. No, it, he does interview every, you know, couple of openings. I think, what, the Arizona job I think he interviewed for. I mean, he interviewed for um, uh, after Shiro left. He he said on a podcast recently that he was like the runner-up to Rutherford, which I would take with several grains of salt. Uh, but I mean, yeah. So we can probably uh, put that to rest. But I mean, what what do you think is the pressure to get this done quickly? Ah, uh, geez, that's hard to say because I don't really have a a good feel for for just how much Patrick Alvine knows about the job. Uh, you know, and he doesn't have an assistant. You know, he was the assistant. You know, for a lot of years, uh, Rutherford had guys like Jason Botterill and Billy Guerin and Tom Fitzgerald, uh, you know, who were, uh, he was grooming and who handled a, a lot of things so that uh, Rutherford didn't have to. You know, as of right now, uh, Patrick Alvine is kind of a one-man GM show. They, uh, Morehouse said on Wednesday that uh, Mario Lemieux will consult him on you know, hockey issues and give him input and stuff. But 
I don't think you're going to be seeing uh, Lemieux coordinating scouting meetings or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So Patrick Alvin is, is going to have his hands full. Um, and, you know, it, uh, if, if it gets to be too much for him, I think they, uh, they might try to accelerate the process. But I do think it's more important to hire the right person for the job than it is to get somebody into the job quickly. Yeah, search starts now. All right, Dave, it's never, uh, never a slow news day. Uh, and um, some of the news affecting Penguins right now, it seems like they lose a defenseman every game or so, maybe two. Um, I have the full list right here just because it's a lot. Um, so just to rattle them off, Mike Matheson, upper body injury. Longer term, he's been skating for a couple couple days now in a, in a non-contact jersey. Um, Yusa Rico, a longer term, Marcus Pedersen, week to week. They both got injured uh, January 19th, two in one game. Um, Zach Trotman, he was injured uh, sometime in camp and, and underwent surgery to repair a torn meniscus uh, out four to six weeks. Well, he probably would have been on the taxi squad. And then the most recent ones, um, Brian Dumoulin, last game, um, lower body injury, who's still being evaluated last we heard. Uh, and then John Marino, he got banged up at the end of the third period, came out for overtime, um, but neither of them were in uh, Penguins practice on Wednesday. And then we didn't hear from Sullivan yet uh, at the time we're talking. So we really don't have an update for them. Uh, that's, I mean, a lot of defensemen out. I mean, what, what's going on? And, what can they do? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not just a lot of defensemen. It's their top four left side defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, the, the left side is so cursed that John Marino, who is a righty, but had been playing on the left side, also got hurt. So you, uh, you can't escape it simply by being right-handed. I mean, it's really remarkable to go through so many defensemen, you know, in seven games, and then to have them, you know, be your top four on, on one side is just, I mean, it's mind-boggling. You, you figure that, you know, Ricola, you probably weren't even expecting to necessarily see him in a game by this time. Uh, you know, unless somebody had been injured or was really struggling. And he, he's already moved all the way up through the depth chart and onto the injured list. I mean, it, it's really remarkable. And, you know, they, uh, they're they going to have to really do some work to patch together a, a capable defense. I mean, on Wednesday, they signed uh, Yannick Weber uh, to a contract. He's a uh, Pretty reliable, steady, veteran presence, a good depth guy. Uh, given the Penguins' current circumstance, that probably means that when he finally gets into the lineup, whether it's Thursday or whenever, you know, probably log 45 minutes. Uh, they're just so shorthanded back there. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, part of the challenge of succeeding in this league is being able to overcome adversity. And uh, the Penguins certainly are experiencing a lot of that on their blue line already. Yeah. And then, but even, even Weber, I mean, he's, he's right-handed, uh, which is really not what they needed given that all their injuries are to the left side. But I mean, Weber, he is, uh, he was available. He um, NHL regular for the past couple seasons with, uh, with Nashville, he did attend their camp on a uh, PTO didn't make the cut. So he hasn't been playing anywhere. He was available 
Um, he was a defenseman they didn't have to trade for, which is what, you know, makes him appealing. But again, he's right-handed. Um, I mean, the other guy, there's one defenseman left on the taxi squad, and that's Kevin Churchman, who um, is left-handed. Uh, played on the right side in Wilkes-Barre last year pretty much the whole season. So uh, he, he can't play on both sides. But, I mean, left, lefty, that's his natural side. But, I mean, Kevin Churchman, he hasn't played in an NHL game since the 2013-14 season. That was his rookie professional season. Not yeah, ideal. he got all 13 games that season, so he's, he's not exactly a wash in NHL experience. Yeah, I mean, and of the healthy defenseman, I mean, well, what, Marino, before he went out, he really was kind of struggling. CC hasn't been that great uh, really all season. He was a healthy scratcher a bit there. Um, Latang hasn't looked great. I mean, it feels like Pierre Levy-Joseph is their best defenseman. Yeah, and uh, I, I checked today. He has just under 40 minutes of NHL experience, on-ice experience. So, yeah, he's kind of the rock back there right now. Yeah, and I mean, uh, last game after uh, they lost Dumoulin, Pierre Joseph was the guy that, you know, stepped up uh, and played on the top pairing with Latang. So, uh, he could be getting even more big minutes moving forward, but I mean, he's, he's looked solid. Uh, the first two games, he actually led all Penguins defensemen in, in shots. It was three shots and then two, not a lot, but no one else was taking shots. He was. Um, and he has been around long enough to know that he's not spoken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everybody has to get comfortable in the system. <laughs> yeah. And then he just, he's so good at, um, He's a tall guy, uh, long reach. He's just so good at uh, forcing opponents to the outside and really breaking up uh, chances and cutting off scoring lanes. So, I mean, he's been great. And, yeah, I probably didn't think he'd get into the lineup this early in the season. And it's looking like he's going to be their top pairing defenseman. So. Yeah, um, he, he's probably the only pleasant development on their, on their blue line this, this year. Uh, and uh, if nothing else, he's got his health going for him. All right, Dave, speaking of pleasant development, something that has not been a pleasant development, uh, really the play of the second line, but in particular Evgeny Malkin, uh, really up until last game, I mean, they haven't looked good as a whole. Uh, Malkin really hasn't been scoring uh even strength. The, the second line did change last game after, uh, well, after Evan Rodriguez went out, Brian Russ moved up to the top line. Second line is now Zucker Malkin uh, Kapanen. And it, it looked like they were clicking more last game, but I mean, what, what have you seen from the second line and in particular Malkin? Well, we saw very little for the first six plus games. Yeah. Uh, Malkin, I, I thought, especially in the, in the third period on Tuesday, finally started to look like himself on a consistent basis. There had been, you know, the occasional flash in the, in the first half dozen games, but in general, he was accomplishing very little and, and looking bad doing it. But uh, probably from the midpoint of the third period on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, I thought he really looked assertive, uh, engaged, um, made a couple of really nice passes to Kapanen. The first one that sent him on a breakaway that he didn't score on. Uh, the second that led to uh, Kapanen's goal that tied the game that put it into overtime. And then, uh, I mean, Malkin nearly won the game. 
uh, a little less than a minute and a half into to overtime when he, he beat Tuka Rask with a shot, but it uh, went off the uh, crossbar. And then, of course, he had the chance to win the game on the, on the three on O break uh, when he opted to throw an errant pass to uh, Chris Letang rather than throwing the puck past Rask to uh, send us all out of the building. But uh, I thought that was a, a, a pretty rare blemish uh, on his final 25 or so minutes of work. I think there was an awful lot. I think he did more good in the, uh, the last half of the, the third period uh, on Tuesday night than, than he might have in the uh, previous six games and two periods combined. Yeah, I mean, you said he looked engaged. I mean, that's just the biggest thing because, I mean, we talked about it uh, the last episode we did or the one before that. The, the first series I covered, the one against Washington at home, he just looked like he was floating around out there. And then I know, what, a couple of days ago, Dayan wrote a column um, from when he was at uh, the Rangers game saying the same thing, that he's literally, he looked like he was just, like, coasting around out there. But we did see more speed, energy, engagement. Uh, the last game, and I mean, we're seeing more out of the, the guys that are on his line, too. I mean, Kampanen, he got elevated to that line. I think he has looked good um, since he came in. They've kind of been easing him in. Um, Zucker really didn't look that great uh, for a couple games there, but I mean, uh, I thought he looked better last game, too. I mean, he was on that second power play unit. The second power play unit, I think, again, the first game against Boston was better than the first, um, for sure. Uh, I mean, Zucker scored there. Um, a weird it was a weird shot went off like O'Connor's foot then like McCann bounced off of Bruin but yeah I mean it things look like they're starting to come together yeah and I mean especially with the with the problems on defense the injury issues they have back there they're going to almost certainly have to win some high scoring games and to do that you'd better have at least two lines producing goals on a pretty regular basis if they can get the second line going, you know, I, I like the chances of the Crosby Gensel Rust line producing. Um, that could at least give them a fighting chance and, and until they start to get some bodies back on the fence. Yeah, and then with, with Malkin, um, Sullivan the other day, uh, paraphrasing what he said about, you know, if he's concerned about Malkin, um, he kind of made it sound like uh, what he thinks is with Malkin just – he gets in his own head when he's not playing well. And it sounded like Sullivan thinks that, you know, once he can just get like one goal, um, that the floodgates will open and he'll start to feel like himself, play more like himself. So, um, I mean, and from watching Malkin, I, uh, I, I believe that, that uh, if Malkin can just get one, one good bounce, we'll, we'll see him uh, back up at the level that we're used to seeing him play. Uh, it really is amazing how, important confidence is uh, to players, even players uh, who have world-class ability. Uh, you know, if they hit a drought, you know, sometimes when the, when the puck's not bouncing right for them or, or they're just a little bit out of sorts, it's amazing how, how quickly their confidence can fade and, you know, it becomes a, a vicious downward cycle for them. Uh, on the other hand, if uh, Malkin is feeling it uh, in a positive way after the way he finished the game on Tuesday night, there could be a positive carryover 
you know, that would last an awful long time. Thank you.